This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to Hits Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. I'm back again for another installment with uh, Steve Dean from the UK. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm good, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for uh, jumping on again. I know you're busy, but uh, well, I know I want to get deep into uh, last time we talked. We talked quite a bit about how the, the, the whole unit there works with the London Metropolitan Police Department that you retired from. And then we got uh, kind of got cut off right about the time we were talking about puppies. So I know you were the breeding manager and you bred, you know, lots and lots of puppies. And then you were getting ready to start explaining. I wanted to go in deeper today about talking about what's the program then. You, you're the breeding manager. You've bred the puppies. I guess I want to back up one step. You've got the, the litter on the ground. You said it's seven weeks you do a test. Um, can you talk a little bit about that test and then what I, I'm assuming after the dog is selected through that test, then he's assigned a handler? Basically, when I took the program over, the method of selection was boys before girls, big ones before little ones. It, it was that, is that scientific? So a large male puppy would be allocated and a small female puppy would not be allocated if she was surplus to requirements. So you got sort of eight puppies, you required to keep four of them. And uh, the four, if there was four males and four females, then the four males would... Um, be allocated, one of the females might be selected as a future breeding bitch and the others would be sold off. Now, I have seen some small females that I would give my my left arm for and I've seen some big males that I wouldn't waste any time on. So it didn't seem to me to be a particularly good way of selecting your future or potential um, peace dogs. So I started to look around for, for some other method, and I was introduced to something called the Volhard test, which is um, a character assessment, um, 49 days or seven weeks for puppies to, to evaluate the character of a pup. Um, and um, I thought, well, you know, I don't know much about it, but let's give it a go, and it's got to be better than, than what we're currently doing. So we started to use the Volhard um, and where did that where did that test come from? It came from a lady called Wendy Volhard, and I think it's still available to be found at something like www.volhard.co.uk. Um, but if you if you search for the Volhard puppy test, you'll you'll certainly find it on a Google search. Um, so we started to use it in in its pure form, um, exactly how she she had developed it, uh, and it gives you nine. Um, areas to assess a puppy and it gives you six potential gradings so a grading of one according to her is very dominant um, and a grading of six is very submissive and then you've got the variations between we started doing it and um, I started to notice some sort of abnormalities that that, that you know we get a puppy that was showing gradings of one one and then suddenly would drop down to a six and then go back up to a one and I thought, it seems a bit random to me I, I can't see that's right and and it, it, it you know I could go on forever about about the the, the puppy testing but what, what basically had happened was that 
One of the, to, to give you an example, one of the tests is you take the little seven-week-old puppy and you roll it over onto its back, put your hand on its chest, and you hold it there for 30 seconds. And you monitor its behavior. And, and it, it, there's all sorts of things that it could do. It could just lie there and do nothing. Or it might actively try and bite you. It might fight and claw. And you see its little paws coming up. And it, it really is doing its best to, to break away. Now, the problem is that with the original Volhar test, he grades it on the observed behavior. So either of those two extremes that I've just seen if it lied there and did nothing, it would be a six because he put, marks it down as submissive. Or if it tries to bite you and it struggles, it would be a one because it's dominant. The problem with that kind of assessment, and this, this is not just um, relevant to puppies, but in, in, in any observed behavior, the problem with that is when you're just observing a behavior, you're not analyzing what's causing the behavior. So when I pin that puppy to the floor, if he is trying to bite me through abject terror and fear, that's not the same as the puppy who's trying to bite me because his attitude is, bugger you, you will not pin me to the floor. I'm not tolerating it. By the same token, the puppy who lies there and does nothing, if it's frozen in terror, is not the same puppy that's lying there thinking, okay, so I can handle this. This isn't stressful to me. So if you only grade it on the observed behavior and you don't try and analyze what is causing the behavior, you're going to get it wrong. And, and we got it wrong um, on, on a number of occasions until we started to actually look into the, 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 what we were doing at a much, much deeper level. Um, and then, then we started to get a, a much greater level of accuracy in assessing the potential. And that's all you're doing. And, and it's a word I like to use. And I don't think that, that, that everybody involved in the police canine world fully appreciates is, is potential. You're not looking at what it is or, you know, you're looking at what it could be. And if you've got a puppy who <clears throat> you brought it into its into the room, it's a room that it's not familiar with, and over the period of, of the nine little tests that you're going to do, you see that puppy fade away because it can't take the pressure. Chances are the potential uh, as, a, as a police canine is pretty low. Sometimes you get a puppy come in the room and it's a bit wary, but you see it grow. It actually grows into the testing. And by the end of it, it's a right little so-and-so. Um, and and, and there's, there's more potential in that puppy. Um, some puppies just simply don't function. You know, they're, they're, they don't want to participate, if you like. And you get others that you have to make an assessment on. So you get one puppy who comes in the room, the first thing it does, you're on your hands and knees. It charges straight up to you and starts ragging off your shirt or your trousers, you know, yeah. uh, and you have to prise it off and then it goes straight back on. Um, and you'll get another puppy who comes in the room and it'll stand and look at you and then it'll walk over, towel wagging. Um, it doesn't mean that one's going to be a better police dog than the other. It just means that, that you're probably going to have to consider who you're going to give which puppy to in terms of the, the, the future handlers because that plays a massive part matching the puppy to the handler is is a skill in itself if you like sure you know and i think we could we could probably talk hours about just a puppy test which would then go into a selection test. so i guess my general question would be for the the puppy selection test did it help you more predict the the possibility the dog was actually going to end up as a as a full-on patrol dog 
or did it help you kind of weed out the ones you didn't want to advance? Was, was it's it's certainly helped us weed out the ones that that didn't have what I consider to be sufficient potential. Uh, and there's always the argument that you're only looking at a, a, a moment in time, you know, and, and it could have just had a bad day. But the, my argument to that is, yes, I agree, and we may have wasted a potentially good police canine, but we, we had a big enough program to allow us to do that. However, the puppy that comes in and, and gives a stellar performance, that's not just a one-off. You know, a negative could be the result of the puppy not being up for it on that particular day. But a brilliant test is going to be a puppy who has potential. And that's that's how I look at when you know, we, we test, obviously, older dogs for, for, you know, whether it's detection or patrol. And I've had vendors tell me, well, maybe the dog's having a bad day. Well, you know, I'm sure the next time the dog does well, someone else will buy him. But I'm looking for for the dog I know today, you know, the, that's kind of obvious. Exactly. So, you have to make a decision, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and when, when you consider how much investment in terms of time and money you are going to put into that dog, I'd rather be wrong on the negative side yeah, than I would miss a, miss a good one. A that, yeah. Cause so then um, you've, you've picked, you've got the, the puppies out of the litter. You've decided I'm selling these to the public. These are my ones that are going to the department and you've already matched them with the handler. Talk about that process now. I'm I'm a patrol officer, is what we call it. I'm not sure how you would say it, but I'm a, and I know I'm working my way over to canine. So now I get it selected to canine. What's the, what's the next process there? Right. Well, some of some of our puppy people waiting for the allocation of the puppy will be what we call novice handlers, guys that, or ladies that have just come in off of patrol. And some will be um, people who are experienced canine officers because the system worked so that when you had a dog that was a year away from retirement, so you've got an eight-year-old dog uh, and you're going to retire it at nine or, or whatever age you choose or your department chooses, a year before that happens, you get your replacement puppy. Um, now, if it if it was existing canine officers I was allocating puppies to, I would have the benefit of being able to look through their files, see what sort of dogs they've handled in the past, how successful they've been. Are they a, a handler who has a sympathetic handling technique or have they only ever handled, you know, out-and-out man-eating type adults? Um, <clears throat> and and I, would, I would try and utilise that information to the best of my ability to make sure they got the, the most suitable puppy for them. With a novice, you don't have that. All you've got is their general record, their general file, you know. Um, but you would also have the benefit, they would have been on what we call a suitability course. So that would have been a four-week course where they'd have had to do pretty mundane things like cleaning out the kennels and, um, you know, handling some of the dogs that were in the kennels for, for the holiday periods and things like that. You'd have a rough idea of, whether they had a general affinity with dogs or, you know. And I was always faced with this dilemma. If I had six handlers in front of me or potential handlers in front of me and one of them I knew was extremely skillful and one of them was a, a lazy toe rag that really shouldn't be on the <laughs> unit anymore, do I give the most outstanding puppy to the lazy one because I know that that puppy will see him through and you know, an average puppy to the real talented guy because he can make he can make 
a diamond out of it. Uh, and because for, for me as the breeding manager, six out of six is what I'm looking for. Whereas I know that this lazy guy, if I give him a puppy that needs a little bit more effort and work, they may not may, might not make it, and it's not going to make me look so good. But I basically felt, felt, well, why should a guy who's really good at what he does be made to suffer? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know what you're saying. Because yeah. he's good at what he does. So I, I was never really in in the business of trying to make someone else's life easy. You know, if they didn't, you know, raising a puppy is a big, big commitment. It takes a lot of time and effort. And I have seen puppies that I knew that in certain hands could make the grade go by the wayside because the handler really didn't put the time and the effort in. Uh, and, and hopefully that would lead to them no longer being on the unit because, they, you know, they didn't deserve to be there really. Um, but when you've got a, a big, big canine unit, you're always going to have a few people that gets through the system <laughs> I've because seen, of who they I've, know. Yeah, I've seen that with very, very small canine units. So right, okay. It, it's every, it's everywhere, Steve. <laughs> so so they'd come and, and they would they would uh, be assigned a puppy at that time. They and, would be given the puppy. Some of them we we done in in the year two thousand, we done a BBC TV program called Police Dog Academy, where you actually see the litter being born. Um, and then you see them go through the puppy testing. I don't know that it's on general release anywhere, but then you see the pups being allocated. And one of those puppies was allocated to a, a police officer who didn't want that particular puppy. But for nothing other than he wanted one that had, it was a German Shepherd and he wanted a long coat. And he didn't get the one with the long coat. He got the one I gave him. And you can actively see in this program him not putting the effort in. Uh, just because of something as simple as that, you know. Um, and we were fortunate enough that we were able to take that off of him and reallocate it to somebody else uh, who did make a good job of it. Um, but basically, the, the pups are allocated at eight weeks of age. The handlers take them home. The puppies live with the family. Generally speaking, they live outside in a compound that's supplied by the, the department. Um some handlers choose to have their dog live in the house. That's a matter for them. I, I don't have any particular feelings one way or the other. To be, I've had both that have lived inside and some that have lived outside. But that's a, a matter for the individual. And then they will come back to the dog training school um, every month with their puppy. Um, and we will focus on, generally speaking, the dog's socialisation. So we, we will make sure that it goes anywhere and everywhere. Um, you know, we'll utilise things like being able to go into side Buckingham Palace where you've got the, the guards and, and large crowds of people, police horses wandering around, brass bands playing, to, to try and make the, the, the puppy absolutely bomb-proof in terms of the environment that it's going to be working in. In addition to that, in a playful way, we will encourage it to um, play games that will ultimately lead to what we call training. But, of course, the dog doesn't understand the training concept. So we will start teaching it to follow a scent at um, about 14 weeks. Um, we will obviously encourage it to do um, some bite work very, very early on. One of the things that we try not to do too much of too early is, is defence work. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see people with little puppies and, you know, 
on the end of a long line and whipping the whip up and uh, and um and some 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 that you know I'm, I'm quite sure that, that that's beneficial to and some it will just make them too defensive um and that's not as far because we we walk the streets of our police dogs still even today over here you know we have large football matches where we're employed with the mounted branch and so we'll be standing out there and the public are surrounding us so we we can't have a dog that is you know overly defensive in its behavior so at, at that time somebody just so so everybody's clear you know i'm a patrol officer i'm going to canine at some point i've been selected so now i get to go there you assign me a puppy i go home with some homework and the puppy and then during the week i'm still working my regular assignment at that point it it, it could be that or it might well be that they've taken your your unit commander has decided that he doesn't want you anymore because you're not yeah. committed to him <laughs> and he might have you assigned to the canine unit and you'll become a runner if you like you're 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 going to be the decoy hiding up and for the next year but the dog's um, not coming to work with me the dog doesn't come to work as a puppy no yeah. Uh, yeah. only only when we've got you know scheduled um training days um so yeah, once a month for, for the official visit back to the dog training school, but you will be assigned a puppy mentor. So uh, whether you're an experienced dog handler or whether you're um, a new guy coming on the unit, you will be um, allocated somebody who lives in the same geographical area that you do, uh, who has a, a very, very proven track record of raising police puppies. So it'll be another canine officer um, and he will be your mentor. And the reason for that is that when, when, especially when you're new to the unit, everybody is an expert. So you you are going to listen to guy number one who's going to tell you one way of raising your puppy and what you should be doing. Guy number two will tell you something else. Guy number three. Uh, and, and that's not acceptable because all that leads to is a very confused officer with a very, very confused puppy. So the, the, the school policy on how we raise a puppy is important to us. Um, and, and we're flexible, obviously, because not every puppy is the same. But the mentor, your mentor, will, will be liaising with, if you like, if I'm the breeding manager and the puppy trainer, he or she will liaise with me about your progress. So every week, at least once or twice a week, you will see your puppy mentor. They'll be on the end of the phone for you to talk to. And you might even find that that's the person that you're you're sort of riding shotgun for, you know, if if there's a space in the vehicle because the other canine officer's not available or whatever. Um, and, and they will help you raise your puppy because they've done it themselves very successfully, you know, two or three yeah. times in the past. So it's it's what I like about it is from from the minute these dogs are going to be bred. You have researched the genetics of them, you know, the bloodline. So, I mean, it's not just here's a pretty dog and here's a dog that bites everybody. So I'm going to put, you know, so it the starts. Chan the chances are that, that the puppy that you have got, its father will be an operational police dog somewhere in the United Kingdom. Not necessarily in the Met because we tend to swap, you know, the, the but you will have the, the ability to, Speak to the, the the handlers who know that dog as a street dog. Um, this is not just a dog that's won titles. This is a dog who is operationally sound. So, so he's um, he's this this puppy has started. I mean, where I'm getting at is is it's very controlled. Then the puppy's started. He's ready to go. Um, 
from the, the selection test, you've done it. And now what I like is this is a very structured program. It's not just here's a puppy, take him for walks, and then I'll see you when he's 10 months old. You're, you have a very structured program to, to, to get this dog ready for his actual training. Absolutely, yeah. And at what, what age will he start his actual training? Um, when they're nine months of age, they come on a one-week course um, because, you know, you, you do see weaknesses in, in even though you've done your assessment. Sometimes, you know, the handler's not putting the effort in. You've got to make a decision. So we, we have a one-week course about nine to ten months where we will anything that we think isn't going to make the grade, we will pull. Sometimes we will reallocate those dogs. Because that might be just a, a bad match between the handler and the puppy yeah, for whatever possibly, reason. Or, or it could, could just be, to be honest with you, that the handler has been selected and he has no no ability or potential. And in this modern day and age, when as a trainer you see that happening, your instinct is to pull it immediately. But what, what the senior officers will say to you is no. Oh, yeah. You have to gather the evidence. Yep. Because yep. when you take that dog off him, it is going to result in a complaint. And he is he or she are going to make all sorts of allegations against you. So, you know, you have to live in the real world. That that's 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 our reality. So we, we let the dog go on knowing that, that actually every month it goes on, we're less likely to be able to pull it back. But we are gathering the evidence that's going to allow us to say, I'm sorry, you know, you're you're we're taking it off you and you're not getting another one. And these are the reasons why. And, and we can stand in front of a complaints unit or a senior officer and justify that decision. Yeah. yeah. That's him here too. They have to, to um, you know, work through a process to make sure that, and it's to make sure handlers get a fair shot, obviously. So it's a, I, I get it on both ends. Yeah. Um, and then around about 12 months of age, the, the dog is usually put on um, a 12 week course. Um, so by 15 months, it'll be operationally on the street. Um, yeah. Uh, but there are certain things that we wouldn't use it for. So it wouldn't be used at a large football match where you've got maybe 60,000, 70,000 supporters. You know, we it's, we don't want the dog um, being exposed sure. to, to that too, too early on. So we tend to use the more experienced dogs for that sort of work. And we'll put that on a general patrol vehicle. Um, rather than put it out on a public or what we call public order sure. event. Um, so that gives the dog an opportunity to kind of learn the job on the job training yeah, and get yeah, some it, experience, it, find well, a bad nurturing guys. It. I mean, sometimes, you know, we might, we might be being overcautious, but you know, sometimes it's better that, that, uh, than, than putting a, a young dog, inexperienced dog in a situation. It takes a good kick in, um, uh, and it doesn't recover from it, you know? So there's, there's a point about, uh, puppies I've learned from you and this, these dogs here, you've kind of explained it. And I think it's really, really good to talk about, um, especially because now in the U S you know, we're training a lot more, you know, 10 month old, these people, we trained three and a half year old title dogs. And now we're training these 10 month old. Can you kind of talk about what your experience was about the dogs regressing for a little short period of time and, and how that works and what you've seen? What we found was that when you, when you, you've got a, a very, very, um, good potential puppy um so from eight weeks right the way through sort of nine ten months it, it, everything is going swimmingly well and then suddenly you seem to see this regression where it goes back to pretty juvenile behavior um and it, it really did puzzle me for quite some time why 
why this happens. It doesn't see it in, in, in every dog, but yeah. you do see it in, in quite a large number. And um, what I believe is the cause of that is that when it is mentally still an adolescent or a puppy, so it's 10 months of age, it is the equivalent to an adolescent child, um, but it looks like it's a full-grown animal. Sure. And, and we as canine officers are very, very guilty of making an assessment based on what we're seeing in terms of its physical profile. So it looks like an adult, yeah. therefore it must be an yeah. adult when it isn't. And I think that some of these dogs show this enhanced juvenile behavior to try and get the message across, look, I'm not actually an yeah. adult. I am still a puppy. Um, and if you let them get through that and come out of it the other side, um, everything's fine. But if you if you continue to put too much pressure on it, then I think that you're you're most likely going to break it um, and and lose that that potentially and, and useful what, dog. What age do you see this at a lot? About ten months so is 10 months. is is the prime sort of age for that. Yeah. So you could see the recipe um, there it could be bad. I could go to a kennel and test a dog one day, and he tests well that day, and uh, then I get him home, and he maybe looks you know he's he's solid uh you know i'm not gonna do anything with him for a week or two and but he seems solid you know as far as his environmental and his social skills and then i take him out there and it's just not the same dog that i thought i saw when i tested him so i would imagine a change of handlers a change of scenery and change of all that could actually kick that that mindset into the dog very quickly and that, and that's that dog's way of communicating to you you know, I'm, I'm, I need a bit more time. You know, patience is a, is a real virtue in our world. And, and so many um, people involved in the, in the canine world, not just the police, but generally, you know, the number of, of Schutzen and IPO dogs I've seen sort of sold off because they're not showing the potential when all you had to do was be a little bit patient. Um, patience is, is a sure. true virtue. And, and how, uh, how long is that usually that, that, it can it can go on for a couple of months, uh -huh. you know. So you do need to be patient. Is it is there an um, average that you've seen? I mean, is it a, usually a month or two, and then you start seeing? Yeah, I'd say between a, 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 between one and two months. And yeah. during that time, I would imagine if it's a no stress situation, the things you liked about the dog when you first got him, his searching skills and all that stuff are still going to be there. If it's just playing the fun game. Absolutely, and and you can you can bring them out by by taking off pressure. So that, so so, whatever you are doing with the dog is not is not a pressure environment. So for me, if I've got a dog who you know is, uh, I, I mean I I, I assume because I, I don't actually know the answer to this, but I assume that your your dogs are trained to search for property, as well as people. A lot of them are, yeah, a lot of them are, yeah. yeah. You know, so I I just make a game of it. I I would I would you know grab the, the, the collar, play with the ball, chuck it in the long grass, and, and just, just have fun. And, and I, think, I think that's um, just, just not take life too seriously. If, if you're looking for a really serious dog for a specific role, then maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I'm talking a load of rubbish. But um, in general, I think that, that the potential that you initially saw that has now seemed to sort of disappear is still there. You just need to, to be patient and, and let it let it develop and let it come out.
And what roughly what I mean, you said it's not all the dogs. Is it half the dogs you saw? Do you think would exhibit yeah, some say, form uh, of I'd that? I'd say a good fifty percent, fifty to sixty percent would, would display some form of, of behavior. Yeah, that 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 was regressive. Um, I, did, I remember you told me that a long time ago, and I've always I've, I've I've learned from that, and I see it. You know, I see I've seen it in Labradors, I've seen it in the patrol dogs. Uh, you know, so I, I just. Um, you know, I just think that's a, a good example of being able to, to use from your vast experience because you've, you've. I, I think know, the, the other thing as well, Jeff, is that, that you don't see it in dogs whose handlers don't put a lot of pressure on the dog anyway because there's no need for the dog to, yeah. to display that. Yeah. You know, but but um, we, 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 we live in a very competitive world. And if you've got, especially for me in my situation, where I'd have six handlers and six dogs, and those six dogs are possibly from the same litter, there's a massive amount of competitiveness. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you've got one of those dogs that is doing everything to a very, very high standard, the other handlers are going to feel under pressure to try and, you know, and and, and they're not dealing with the same dog. You know, they come from the same litter. They're not necessarily the same animal. Um, and they can then start applying pressure to try and catch up, if you like, when they don't really need to. And um, that'll just exacerbate the problem at that point. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So when it's done correctly and you just kind of back off the pressure, I'm, I'm assuming a very high percentage of those dogs will come through the other end just fine. Yes, absolutely they will. And, and, and as I say, when we took the, do- the dog off the guy who wanted the long coat, who just wasn't, applying and gave it to a different handler um we we saw a massive change in the dog's um, attitude we've even we've even believe it or not in one quarter of london we 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 had a um a unit a canine unit part of the met police but but based in the particular location of london who were generally speaking quite hard on their dogs compared to the rest and we saw pancreatic problems with the dog we saw physical manifestation of, of the the pressure these dogs were under and when we took them dogs off of those guys and reallocated them to people who were a little bit more if you like sympathetic in their handling the physical manifestation went away so you know the, the putting pressure on a dog can can make a massive difference to, to physically and mentally how it how it functions well, Steve, we've covered a lot of information here today. I mean, I sure appreciate you taking the time. Um, I, I can, I, over the years, I don't know how many hours we've spent where I just pick your brain, and that hopefully will continue for a very long time because I always learn something from it, and I, I sure appreciate everything <laughs> you, you know, you do. If it's okay, I'll put your contact information in the show notes here in case people have a, you know, a, a question. You guys can email Steve directly. He's a wealth of information, and I'll also. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the the puppy test that you were referring to. So, well, well, uh, I, I mean, I I have document I I have got um, uh, documents that I've drawn up that that distinguish the difference between how I assess a puppy and how the Volhard test assesses a puppy, and I'm more than happy to forward that on by email to anybody okay. that that'd that be wants fantastic. You know. I think those, so, uh, even if even if you're not out selecting a puppy, I think that type of information has got to be helpful for for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. looking at the dogs. Yeah. So, 
So I'm well retired, but I'm I'm still training dogs. I'm dealing with these these diabetic alert dogs now. So that's a, that's a, a new challenge for me. Well, it keeps you busy, and it's still the do- dogs. I know you're breeding dogs at your house too, right? So ah, uh, yeah, I've got a little German Shepherd at the moment, and I'm also into the rough coat Dutch Herder, my new love. <laughs> <laughs> And those of you, if you've never seen a rough coat Dutch herder, Google that right now because you're going to see something that truly looks like a devil dog if you've never seen one. <laughs> it's a, only a mommy could love these dogs, I think so. <laughs> but they're, they're, that's uh, fantastic. You're staying busy. So, Steve, thanks again for all your time, and, and uh, it's been great catching up with you. Um, most welcome Jeff and I look forward to seeing you at some stage in the future oh, hopefully uh, in July uh, we'll be in Scottsdale so if you guys guys want to check out hitscanine.net hitscanine.net it'll give you all the information about where we'll be it's a beautiful hotel in Scottsdale we'll have lots of instructors as usual and Steve's always a regular there uh, teaches classes and then is always available to, to chat with so hopefully uh, the world will be back to normal Steve and we'll see you, see you uh, in July uh, 2021 I certainly do. You stay safe anyway, mate. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Thanks again. Take care. Bye-bye, mate. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come to HITS 2021. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to HITS 2021 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2021 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffles and gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there and we've been there too.